You're listening to ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to NeuroFrontiers, produced in cooperation with the American Academy of Neurology. Your host is Dr. Anthony Alessi, Chief of Neurology at William W. Backus Hospital. What are the new guidelines for the expanded window of time for treating stroke? Joining us to discuss the new guidelines for treating stroke is Dr. Ralph Sacco, Neurologist-in-Chief at the Jackson Memorial Hospital and Miller Professor of Neurology, Epidemiology, and Human Genetics at the University of Miami. Welcome to NeuroFrontiers, Dr. Sacco. Thank you. It's great to have you. Let's chat a little bit about the FDA-approved approaches for the treatment of ischemic stroke as they stand now. Well, TPA, the intravenous use of a clot buster, tissue plasminogen activator, is still our number one grade A, class one, evidence-based, FDA-approved approach for acute ischemic stroke. And the time window at least approved by the FDA at the moment is within three hours of an acute stroke that this drug needs to be given. Dr. Sacco, what proportion of strokes each year are treated with IV RTPA? Well, unfortunately, there are still too many patients each year that do not receive IV TPA. There's probably close to 750,000 strokes occurring each year, and maybe about 5% of them may actually get IV TPA. The numbers are going up, and in certain communities where stroke is more organized, the proportion of stroke patients that receive IV TPA are higher, but we still have way too many acute ischemic strokes that don't receive IV TPA. Well, since you've touched on it, a lot has changed since we've had designations of primary stroke centers in various states. I know Connecticut is one of them where I practice. Can you tell us how that's really helped expand the treatment of stroke? Well, that's a big, important area. Just as we're trying to educate the public about the warning symptoms of stroke, we as healthcare practitioners need to be organized when a stroke patient hits our emergency room. And it's been recognized that there are specific programs that need to be well ironed out at a hospital to be an acute stroke center. So the Brain Attack Coalition, the American Stroke Association, the American Heart Association have published guidelines for primary stroke centers and JACO has begun a stroke certification program. So there are multiple, many hospitals now that are stroke certified through JCO. Many states, like your own, have stroke certification programs. In Florida, for example, we have one. And in other states, like New York, there are also state-based stroke certification programs. And these have improved our ability to deliver acute stroke therapy. Has the certification of the primary stroke centers actually had an effect on the outcomes associated with stroke? Well, there have been a number of studies that have shown that over time in stroke centers, you see improvements, and there are performance-based measures that we follow. For example, in Get With The Guidelines, there are multiple performance-based measures that get tracked at stroke centers, and when you look at them over time, you can see vast improvements to a much higher levels of outstanding performance in some of these measures. Outcomes are more difficult to actually track, but there was a, a paper that Toby Gropen and others had worked on when I was in New York that looked at outcomes from stroke and TPA utilization in particular and showed that that improved in stroke center uh, certified hospitals compared to not. 
Dr. Sacco, is there a way of certifying comprehensive stroke centers now, like tertiary facilities? Well, that is on the horizon. The um, guidelines for what it takes to be a comprehensive stroke center have been published. Certification of comprehensive stroke centers is not entirely up to par yet. The American Heart Association is hard at work in trying to develop some of the performance measures that we would use to track comprehensive stroke centers. JACO has not yet uh, officially begun a program to designate comprehensive stroke centers. In Florida, we have what's called Florida State Designation, which is a self-attestation or a self-designation as a comprehensive stroke center, but we're still not there yet like we are with primary stroke centers in terms of certification. Well, moving back to our, our topic for today a little bit more is what about the data regarding using IVTPA beyond three hours? What does the data really show and start telling us? That's a terrific question. I mean, the data before the new ECAS-3 trial was published was actually suggestive that there may be some benefit beyond three hours. There was a large meta-analysis that put together all of the prior stroke trials with intravenous TPA, and there was a suggestion that there was still benefit from three to four and a half hours. This important data helped drive the development of the ECAS-3, the European uh, Cooperative Acute Stroke Trial, the ECAS-3 trial, which then took this hypothesis and proved it further. Tell our listeners a little bit more about ECAS-3 and that trial. How many people were involved in that study? Was it a large study? ECAS-3 was a large trial and an important trial. There were, let's see, approximately, I want to say, at least 300 or more patients in the trial. And that trial was specifically focused on the three to four and a half hour window. So they looked at acute stroke patients and then they randomized those who were treated within three to four and a half hours to IVTPA versus not, and they were able to show important and suggestive improvement even taking into account any hemorrhage risk in those that were treated with um, the IVTPA versus not. And actually, I was wrong. The, the trial was even larger than I thought. It was over 800 patients that were in the trial. So the trial, I think, adds to our data and gives us more evidence-based information that IVTPA in select patients can be used beyond the three and up to four and a half hours. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to NeuroFrontiers on ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. I'm your host, Dr. Anthony Alessi, and joining us to discuss the new guidelines for treatment of stroke is Dr. Ralph Sacco. Dr. Sacco, are we still to believe, though, that if we use TPA closer to the initial onset of stroke, we'll have a better outcome as opposed to going in the three to four and a half hour range? Oh, well, that's a great question, uh, Dr. Alessi, because all of the data still suggests that the earlier we use TPA, the better the outcome. If you look at that old meta-analysis that I mentioned to you earlier, if you treat with TPA, IV TPA, within 60 minutes 
of an acute stroke, you have a much, much higher probability of a terrific outcome at 90 days compared to if you end up treating later. So we all still say time is brain and the earlier we treat the better. And sometimes our concern when we open the time window beyond three hours is we don't want to send the wrong message that says you have a little more time. Treating as soon as possible is still key. Are there any specific exclusions for patients when trying to treat them in that three to four and a half hour range? Well, there, there may be. You know, the concern whenever we use IVTPA is balancing the benefit and the risk. And the risk is always the increased risk of hemorrhage. Despite the risk of bleeding with TPA, all of these trials have still shown significant improvements. In ECAS-3, they did have some extra exclusion criteria, and it's important for us to think about them when we think about extrapolating this trial to the community. Their exclusion criteria for that trial were patients older than 80 years, patients who were taking oral anticoagulants and had a INR of 1.7 or greater, baseline National Institute of Health stroke scale score of 25 or more, which meant they were a very severe stroke. And there was this other extra exclusion that is harder to understand, was a history of a prior stroke with diabetes. And basically, from these exclusion criteria, the ECAS investigators were concerned that these patients could have a greater risk of hemorrhage, and they excluded them from the trial. And our evidence-based guidelines have adopted some of this as well. Dr. Saka, how can imaging techniques help us with expanding this window for TPA? Well, that's what some of the newest work and research is still trying to achieve. We have better ways of now imaging how much of the brain has been injured with things like MRI. We have ways of imaging blood vessel patency with magnetic resonance angiography. And we have ways of measuring perfusion to the brain with MR perfusion or even CT perfusion techniques. So there are a number of studies, Diffuse being one and Diaz being another, and Epitaph. These are other studies and trials that have tried to look at whether when we use these MRI or sometimes CT-based imaging techniques, can we extend the time window? And the idea is, do we have a mismatch? Do we have a bigger area of perfusion, lack of blood flow deficit, compared to the amount of infarction, and then therefore more brain at risk? So I think we're still early, but some of these studies are trying to better image the brain at risk and therefore select patients in broader windows beyond maybe even four and a half hours who may still be salvageable from acute thrombolytic therapies. You know, we chatted a little bit about comprehensive stroke centers earlier. What can be done at comprehensive stroke centers with regard to intraarterial catheters in acute ischemic stroke? Well, comprehensive stroke centers are definitely springing up and the number of interventional neurologists, interventional radiologists, interventional neurosurgeons are increasing each day. At a comprehensive stroke center, the team is available 24-7 with doing this kind of acute intraarterial therapy. So the first example would be, can we give something like TPA or a other thrombolytic drug through a catheter right exactly at the artery that's blocked. So you need an angiogram suite, you need the 
technical capability. You need the operator to be able to get a catheter in place and right in the artery that's occluded in the middle cerebral or the basilar or, you know, uh, other posterior cerebral arteries in the brain. And you can deliver intraarterial therapy. There have been studies that have suggested up to six hours we can deliver intraarterial therapy and, and improve opening up a blood vessel. The new thing has been catheter devices, just as in the cardiac world where angioplasty and stenting has developed, uh, we are now being able to use certain devices to actually pull clots out of blood vessels, and two at least have been approved in the United States, and these devices have been shown at least to open arteries up to eight hours after a stroke. What we're still not sure about is the actual outcomes when we retrospectively compare outcomes in these patients that have received these clot retrieval devices, they seem to be better than those that say have been treated conservatively. I think a lot more needs to be done, but it's really an exciting time for stroke at comprehensive stroke centers because of the use of new approved clot retrieval devices and intraarterial therapies. In looking at the future, are there ongoing studies right now that are going to help us expand the window for stroke treatments? There are many studies still active. Some are still dealing with the issue of imaging. So can we use imaging to prolong the time window, select more people that may be salvageable through either intravenous or intraarterial therapies with MRI or CT? And there's still a number of studies ongoing with these approaches. There are also studies that are funded both by industry and the National Institute of Neurological Disorders and Stroke to look at devices. There's a very large study called MR Rescue, which is a multi-center study looking at patients using the Mercy Retrieval device versus established medical care in the three to eight hour window. And then there's the Interventional Management of Stroke Trial, another NIH-funded study run out of the University of Cincinnati. And that's a very large multi-center phase three study, which is comparing a variety of different approaches, including IVTPA versus add-on therapies, IVTPA plus intraarterial or various devices. So there are many approaches that are still undergoing investigation to look at broadening this time window and improving our ability for acute ischemic stroke treatment. Dr. Sacco, I want to personally thank you, not just for being my guest today on NeuroFrontiers, but also for all the great work you do in the field of stroke and to help patients with neurologic disease. Dr. Ralph Sacco is the Neurologist-in-Chief at Jackson Memorial Hospital and Miller Professor of Neurology, Epidemiology, and Human Genetics at the University of Miami. Dr. Sacco, thanks again. Thank you, Dr. Leslie, for having me. You've been listening to NeuroFrontiers on ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. NeuroFrontiers is produced in cooperation with the American Academy of Neurology. For more information about this or any other show, please visit ReachMD.com, which now features on-demand podcasts.